Blog Talk Radio. At the turning point, messages are heard within resonance fields. Life calls us to serve. Life calls us to serve. Life calls us to Images within Love open giving hearts On green fields of white stone On green fields of white stone On green fields of white stone I am the call to heal
Hello, everyone. Namaste. Welcome to Healing from the Peace. And we are going to have a very interesting show, and we're bringing out a lot of very important information from two very good friends of mine, Bill and Jan Moore, and their vision and the festival that they have done, and um, so many more things. Um, basically, they had uh, a smiling world, which they have created, which they'll be explaining in a moment. And the Festival of Enlightenment and the work that they've been doing from their first festival and where their vision is, where it's going now. So, welcome to the show. Thank you, Thank Marcus. You, Marcus. Great to Thank be you. here. It's a pleasure to be on with you again. So, yes. I mean, as you know, we try to stay in touch and you're definitely in the transitional stage, but I think we all are in 2015 moving forward. So, could you... Speak about how you first started your vision that led to the, your first festival and where you see it going from that experience, what you're learning from it, and moving forward. Well, I might start off by saying that uh, I originally had a vision for A Smiling World back in about 2007, and my basic idea was just conscious business, teaching business people to treat um, employees like human beings that they are, and with love and dignity and respect, and likewise, that would improve their business and make them their goal of making more money because employees would just naturally treat the customers um, as human beings, and that all worked just fine. And then along came Jan, and uh, she changed the vision dramatically, and as every woman does, behind every man is a good, strong woman, she pointed out where I had opportunity to expand the vision. So I'm going to hand it over to Jan to pick up on that note and tell us how she saw it and how she developed it on into the festival from uh, her perspective. Um, yeah, I was very inspired by Bill's idea, actually. It was a great one. And, um, you know, before we actually got together as a, a life partnership, um, we were talking about working together because at the time I was working in marketing and internet marketing and social media. And Bill asked me if I'd get involved. And then lots of things transpired and we ended up coming together as a couple and discovered we were twin flames, which has been really the solid foundation of our relationship through lots and lots of challenges. And, you know, having that kind of solid relationship um, is is really critical to being able to weather the storm, as it were, that, that hits you when you're going through this transition, ascension, conscious evolution, whatever you care to call it. Early on in our um, relationship and our um, partnership, our, our life partnership, when we were talking about doing the, the um, event that, that Bill referred to, which was focused on business, we were both really focusing as well very much on our own personal development and on our spiritual journey. And my comment to Bill was, well, how can you have a conscious people? So really we ought to start out by working on the consciousness of the people involved in the business and then the operation can shift into a much more conscious approach which is focused on the people involved, both the you know, the people working in the business and the customers and clients that it, it's serving. So <clears throat> one meditation session later, I 
received the vision of the festival, which became much broader in terms of a an event with speakers on primarily consciousness, spirituality, personal development, but also incorporating music and art and really becoming a celebration of human creativity. And Bill's contribution to that was to say we should make it seven days and seven nights and have all these wonderful people involved. And so this was when we were living in England at the time. So in 2010, in May, we decided to take the leap and travel to the USA and work towards creating this festival in Colorado, which we did in uh, 2011, June 2011, up in Essex Park, right under the Rocky Mountains, in Rocky Mountain National Park. The experience itself was a huge growth experience for both. And like many things, the things that we do are the environments in which we grow on our soul path. And so we we faced challenges during the process of doing the festival because we approached it from the point of view of actually manifesting the festival from nothing. It was a bit of a research project, if you like, to work on what are the really fundamental elements of being able to manifest something from virtually nothing. And that was the process that we went through for about a year leading up to the culmination of the festival in 2011. And it turned out to be very different from what we expected in terms of size and scope and format, but it was obviously controlled by the vision of the divine in what the intention was. And the outcome was absolutely perfect. It was exactly what we wanted. It was to create this incredible vortex of energy that built over the course of the seven days and seven nights. And it really brought together a core family of people who are still connected today. They still um, interact on our Festival Festival of Enlightenment Friends Facebook page. And we've had some wonderful feedback from the people who attended, not just the uh, audience, but also the speakers involved, to say that it really had a a fundamental effect on them. It really changed their life. And we have some of the um, images in a video on the festivalofenlightenment.com website, and also some of the feedback from the attendees on what the experience did for them and how they, you know, what they basically got from that event. So that was back in 2011. Obviously, we're four years down the line, and there's a lot that's happened since then. But, uh, Marcus, I hope that gives you some background to that very first festival. Yeah. Now, from what what you've learned, what is your updated vision now for your work from this point forward? Well, after the festival, um, it was a very interesting experience because we came out of the festival having exhausted all our resources. Um, We put everything into that 
and as often happens with a first-time event, and for various reasons that I won't go into now too much detail, we came out having made quite a substantial loss on the festival on a financial level. And what happened was we, we kind of stepped back and said, okay, we need to think about where we go from here. We'd build with the original vision for a smiling world, as he said, it was to create um, a business-focused organization um, encouraging businesses to adopt a much more conscious approach, which would also incidentally be more profitable because of the increased level of service it was providing. So we actually started to work on what a smiling world looked like in in terms of an ongoing organization to deliver coaching, training, and events like the Festival of Enlightenment in order to support people into becoming empowered, stepping into their power, becoming the you know the the true beings, powerful beings that we are, and letting go of all the conditioning and the programming that has really led us to believe that we're very um, limited in what we can do and what we can achieve. So that was the concept of a smiling world. And, you know, the vision of the festival continues really to be the same as the original 2011 vision, which is um, celebrating conscious evolution, facilitating conscious evolution, and having, you know, having fun in the process with the the conscious music and with art and creativity and healing and energy and all of those wonderful things that created that amazing vortex that we had in uh, in Colorado. Yeah, and if I'm if I may step in here just a minute, Marcus, um, to pick up on what Jan was saying and underscore just a little bit of it. Although the festival had seven days and nights of building that vortex of energy, which actually in the closing two hours had a, an extremely moving closing that affected everybody quite um, emotionally and. Uh, they could physically feel the energy, as it were. And uh, at the very point of closing, there was a huge clap of thunder that shook the building. And uh, everybody was like, wow, <laughs> the divine must have approved of this. Um, so we we really wanted to take forward that energy. But having um, taken a year, actually closer to 18 months off of our work and stopping all, almost virtually all income flows to create the festival. Uh, as Jan said, for reasons of uh, some marketing letdowns and some other issues that were going on and reach how many people we reached, we had the ideal number there, but it wasn't the number that we financially on paper had planned on to make it come out. So, um, although we had roughly 150 people there, it, it was quite short of what it would have taken to financially make it. So coming out of that, um, coming out of that issue, we uh, had uh, just uh, we had a, a time period there with a pretty substantial um, uh, cost overrun in the six-figure range, and that we had to catch up. And as we came back and we looked at all of the um, um, different aspects of getting the um, 
catch-up done, we we decided the best thing for us to do was to manifest a um, um, an outcome that would give us the time to work on a smiling world and the festival of enlightenment, but also give us a steady income. Uh, provide us a, a place to live because obviously to come to the states and do the festival we had given up our housing ability our home and we also in the course of trying to um, catch up the festival we had uh, sold our vehicle so we were effectively at the point that we had, were in a hotel room and had run out of days on it as well and we were working on building what a smiling world would be, and Jan created a manifestation, uh, literally finding some money on the ground that she had decided to manifest. And we said, well, you know, we're going to feed the dogs, and we're taking care of for a couple of days while we um, organize some other sources of getting through the thing. But we took a, a position uh, caretaking a ranch and um, it had a house, car, income, and the time to work on a smiling world built into it. So it was sort of an answer to a manifestation request we had made to the divine consciousness and saying that we wanted to create something that would provide us that income, take care of the horses we had in England at that time, and make sure they were covered and make sure our dogs were fed and we were fed, and that we had a roof over our head and a vehicle to drive. And that manifested um, actually quite quickly once we set the intention and focus on it. But what it also gave us, most importantly, and I think this is really important to all listeners, um, is we were approaching that from a standpoint of a solution to an issue that had come out of the festival. What the divine delivered was what appeared to us as a solution actually was much broader. And, and I have found in the last three years that this is incredibly important is usually when our manifestations are delivered, um, they may not look exactly the way we were thinking, but when they come in, they are usually bigger and they're deeper in scope than what we think they are. For example, one of the things we want to do in A Smiling World is build some facilities where people can go, sort of have a safe haven of learning and whatnot. And we envision that being uh, ranches of some type. Well, coming out to run this ranch, even though I had been, Jan's a country girl and I'd been around the country as a youngster growing up and whatnot, to some degree, there's a major difference of helping your uncles on a farm or a ranch and the actual running of one. So the divine gave me the opportunity and Jan the opportunity to learn about what it was that we were about to do with a smiling world on a future horizon by learning those details. The other thing was, and most important, and this is the reason I jumped in, was on my personal behalf, I had learned a lot and transferred a lot of where I was to maybe a little higher level going through all that festival, but I still had ego and judgment issues to a degree that I didn't even actually realize until I got into the situation of working on this facility that we were running for three years because it wasn't until I actually met head-on 
what I would call a really dark, dark uh, energy. And in that dark energy, one of the things that it caused me to just sort of bring to the surface was a realization of the fact that I still had work to do on judgment and ego. And um, so over the three years, Ed has given me the opportunity to uh, move through that. And, of course, on the ascension program of um, that the divine has worked out for us, leaving the third world, uh, sorry, the three-dimensional world behind and moving into a fourth level of transition and a fifth dimension of um, higher consciousness where manifestations instantly, as Jan wrote in a blog that she just wrote, you don't want to land on the fifth level of almost virtually instant manifestation unless you're fully conscious and fully aware because you'll be manifesting things that don't belong in that world, you know, at all. Mm-hmm. And that was part of my learning process in this. And now um, what has happened is we've reached the conclusion of the work that was to be done here, and we are in the process now of um a very, very rapid, tight schedule, but a very rapid fundraising campaign and putting all of our resources and everything together to take A Smiling World and the Festival of Enlightenment out to the people. We realized we were thinking about a 2015 festival on the ground here in Austin, Texas, where we were, and we realized that that meant that everyone had to do like they did at the festival we held in Colorado, they would have to arrange time and transportation and whatnot. Um, and, of course, we had a lot of European guests at that first festival. Which it was a pretty expensive travel to come over to spend that seven days and nights. Mm-hmm. And we were fairly isolated up in the Rocky Mountains, up in Estes uh, Park, in uh, Rocky Mountain National Park. So <clears throat> what we came to the conclusion was is invest in a puller vehicle, a truck, and and a travel trailer that was um, all modest, but, you know, the size and age and whatnot that would create a successful trip and actually go out. And the first leg that we've laid out on this journey is about 30 cities circling up through uh, the western half of the United States. And then come back over the holidays, sort of regroup while everybody's doing their holiday thing, and and then going out the eastern side and uh, covering the eastern side of the United States and actually giving the people um, the experience that we had with the festival and also um, sharing the learning and what have you that we have, Jan and I have done ourselves, and and, uh, take that out right to the cities and then... Um, with people like yourself and others around the country. Um, there's a lot of people who have valuable input as well, and we're uh, planning on making some of these stops, um, two, three, maybe even four-day events, to where we can have um, local speakers or semi-local state, you know, within reach of that point coming in and, and bringing audiences together not just to hear Jan and I's uh, lessons and learnings and things that we can share and teach, but actually creating um, many versions of the Festival of Enlightenment on a local basis. Mm-hmm. So that's right. not too simple, now, Mark. Yeah. Now, um, one thing that I'm sure you probably also thought of, um, actually I just sent you, uh, you can check it later on your, on your Facebook, um, two online 
educational links and conferences and so forth. And I'm sure there are others where um, you can, along the way, when you get to each of these stops, do like an online webinar type thing, or uh, online conference. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, yeah, we've already um, we actually put together <clears throat> a plan to do virtual festival of enlightenment as well, where we literally deliver um, a series of broadcasts that from various different speakers actually do it as an online conference. So um, we're still we've got kind of the outline that looks like, and it's just a case of really putting it together now and getting the the guest list organized, but obviously from doing the festival and, and the contacts that we've made since, we have, right. uh, you know, a huge group of people from which, from whom to choose and, um, you know, a broad range of approaches to all the different elements around conscious evolution and um, empowerment right. particularly and so on. Now, one thing that I do I want to make sure that we put out probably several times during this broadcast is for the archive is the actual link where they can actually go to your website as well as to donate to it. If you could okay. just say them both again, and we'll, I want to make sure that we say that several times during the show. Thank you. Well, if people go to asmilingworld.org, on the home page, they'll see on the right-hand side there is a link to our GoFundMe campaign, which um, we set up recently, which is very much focused on creating the ability to take this on the road with the, um, the trailer and the vehicle to pull it that Bill was mentioning. And we also have the ability to take donations on the website itself, and there's a link there, there's a donate button link to our donate page where that donation is taken through PayPal. So whichever way people feel most comfortable with, obviously we'll be extremely grateful for any contribution that's made. We've had some, you know, generous contributions already and it's one of those things that, you know, people shouldn't think, oh, well, I can't really give very much because every little bit adds up. And in fact, I was looking at... um, a report that said that um, Pulitzer actually raised half a million dollars back in the 1880s, I think it was, through doing a a marketing campaign. And most of the donations were less than a dollar. So it just goes to show that, you know, these small amounts can add up. And, uh, you know, as I say, we'd be grateful for any help we can get because we really are convinced for for various reasons, that this is our true purpose. We're meant to go out there on the road and spread love, light, positivity, messages of empowerment, support for people, particularly when they're going through, you know, challenging situations and adversity, which is all part of what's happening at the moment, to release these core issues so that we're ready to move to the next level. We can't go there still carrying <clears throat> lots of issues that are deeply buried. So, you know, we know from our own experience that although the past few weeks have been very challenging for us, we've set the intention to manifest being on the road with the smiling world by the end of April. And, and the divine obliged and basically kicked us up the butt to get out. And it's been a bit of a rocky ride because it's like, oh, well, hold on a minute. We've got a bit of work to do to get ready for this. 
Yeah, and I'd like, to, <laughs> I'd like to clarify something too, Marcus, for your listeners. You asked about putting out the information, and yes, we do have a GoFundMe campaign, and we do have a donate on our page. And actually, the campaign and the donate is on our page at A Smiling World. But uh, when people are going there, it's A Smiling World, just like the outcome. But it doesn't have to be .org. A lot of people get confused with .org. Asmilingworld.com will automatically go to the organization page, the .org page. So if they go to Asmilingworld.com or Asmilingworld.org, whichever is the easiest to remember, and then if they would like to know more about the festival, we're also – have a, a website on that, which I do believe has a link from A Smiling World. I think Jan's got a link in there, but it's called festivalofenlightenment.com, and it has the video and information and not only testimonies from the attendees, but from the speakers and how it impacted them. So it's really worth people having a look and just actually making the decision and saying, you know, I see that these people are all about empowerment. You know, I think I can pass that Starbucks cup of coffee tomorrow morning to help bring this to the world. And and as Jan said, I mean, those Starbucks cups of coffee add up really, really fast. And, of course, the big donors seeing, you know, people coming in. um, We did have one very substantial donor come in, and, and it was because we started right off the bat getting some activity of people you know, uh, showing an interest and whatnot. So so we really, really appreciate all the support uh, that we get. And, of course, we're noting it all down because we operate on a give-what-you-can basis with everything we do anyway. We don't go in and say, oh, well, you need coaching and mentoring. That's going to cost you $5,000 or, you know, some ridiculous uh, thing that, to some people, I should say, it's not ridiculous, but to some people, they're like, well, I'm losing my home, and I'm really in a bind here. We don't um, discriminate against people because they're not in a position. We are operating under the new uh, paradigm that um, Charles Einstein wrote about in the sacred economy, about the gift economy, and the way the divine quantum universe flows is um, giving and receiving. We as Americans are taught to put our hands up and go, oh, no, I can't take that. And that is wrong because that breaks the quantum flow. If we open our arms and say we are open to receiving and then likewise give from our hearts where we can, what we can, when we can, the whole system flows and everybody moves higher and higher up the ascension level in their abundance as well. And that's the way we operate. Give what you can, where you can, when you can. So if somebody's driving down the road and says, I I could give a Starbucks cup of coffee, we are just as appreciative of that as somebody that says, oh, I've got an extra $50, I'll give that. Uh, It all is very, very important. And uh, as I always say, the universe doesn't work with time and money. What it works with is energy and love energy. So it's all coming from love and likewise we intend to turn that back around and send it out the same way. Right. Now, um, one idea which uh, just came to me is around the country, like here in, in New Hampshire where I am, there are holistic magazines, uh, New Age magazines, you know, whatever you want to call them. 
and mm-hmm. perhaps you can come up with, which I know you can easily do, some type of a that you're a nonprofit and that you provide them services or something along that idea that would be appropriate for them, and we can do some networking to put uh, maybe even like write an article, like an informative article that would they would interest them with your information as well, you know, and you know it'll get the word out that way to people that might be open to it. Those type of Absolutely. publications. Absolutely, um, that actually was going back many eons back when I was in commercial real estate. I used to write articles for real estate magazines, and and by sharing your expertise, um, it brought people to you to say, you know, wow, you helped me solve a problem, and and of course that that's where the word of mouth spreads. You know, telling people about who it is. That's an absolutely brilliant article. And there is a magazine here in Austin called Natural Awakenings, which I know we saw up in Colorado, too. And, you know, those type of magazines certainly would be an excellent opportunity to help get the word out as well. Very good idea. Yes, thank you, Marcus. So it's just a matter of, you know, getting the word out to the audience that, that you're looking for that would have interest. Um, like, like you know, there's like health food stores, especially like the big health food store chains, which I'm sure there's a few of them around. They have the larger size stores. Sometimes you can do workshops or or have public speakers there as well. Yeah, that's a great idea, actually, Marcus. I, I, I hadn't thought about actually doing sessions there, but that's a really good idea. I mean. You know, we're a great fan of natural grocers, and um, we first came across them up in Colorado because they're actually based out of Boulder, but they do have branches um, in a lot of states. They're not, I don't think they're across all the U.S., but certainly they've got um, stores in Austin. They tend to, I think, focus more on nutritional-related um, presentations or sessions, but certainly that's... Um, you know, one of the things we do is empower your health. So, you know, there's even a place for making empowered choices around what you buy when you go grocery shopping. So that's a right. really good idea. I mean, we, we do yeah. actually have, if I could just explain, the the we've got three streams of activity, really, that we're launching um, through a smiling world. Um, one is actually the you know one-to-one individual coaching, which is very much based focused on people who really need some help with facing specific circumstances that they're challenged by. And I know there's a lot of people like that. You know, we've already helped a lot of people in those sort of situations, whether it's um, you know financial challenges that have come as a result of various different circumstances or whether it's just feeling lost, you know, or stuck because they just seem to have lost faith in themselves. A lot of people, you know, have so many limiting beliefs and really lose sight of the value that they bring and the gifts that they have. And one of the things that I do with people is to really focus in on getting to know themselves and very much appreciating the gifts that they have and what their purpose is so that they can actually gain that self-confidence and self-worth 
and also clarity on per, on their purpose so that they can go out and actually make a difference. And this is the message of a smiling world, you know, empower your life, change the world, because every single individual on this planet has an impact on other people, on the environment, on on the culture, on the collective consciousness. And so if they realize the value that they contribute, rather than thinking, I'm too small, there's nothing I can do about anything, and sort of wait around for the solution to present itself, if we can encourage people to step into that power and make a difference, then it's going to benefit all of us. So that's one one area that we're very much focused on, is helping people individually to work through these issues. The second activity stream is on the A Smiling World website, which is we're developing a membership area, which again will be on a give-what-you-can basis. So if people are getting value from the content on there, they can donate to what they feel is appropriate. And we're building a library of information, of videos, of articles, and also um, webinars, teleseminars, and online courses on empowerment and mindfulness and manifestation. And that's accessible, obviously, from anywhere, being online. So that's the second stream that we're working on. And then the third, of course, is the Festival of Enlightenment on the road and our own events, developing um, the, the festival events on the road into, you know, a version of the 2011 festival with music and art and different speakers so that we are, you know, covering an individual, not not face-to-face necessarily. We're absolutely location independent. You know, I do all of my coaching either by, by phone or over Skype and I've coached people, you know, across the U.S. and Canada and in the U.K., and New Zealand, Australia, all the kind of English-speaking countries. So that's, that's quite deliverable to anywhere and from anywhere. And then the online community that we're building on a smiling world, obviously that's accessible from anywhere. And then mm. as we travel around and do the festival in different places, which will start with the U.S., but we've always intended to take the festival into the UK and possibly again over to Australia, New Zealand and so on. So, big vision. Right. <laughs> yeah, cool. Now, um, another idea I had, actually a couple of ideas to, to help you as well, is some national organizations like Toastmasters, for example, where <laughs> you could find out where they have their local groups in each of the areas of which you are traveling and see if you can speak in front of their groups, you know, plan it ahead of time. Or like national organizations, for example, um, you know, that would promote things like the United Way or uh, Easter Seals or, you know, other organizations if you can get um, interest, maybe you could plan where are their national um, um the national headquarters, and if you are traveling near where the national headquarters is, and you can stop, you know, have, set up a meeting ahead of time in with someone in the public relations group at their national headquarters that you're happening to travel through, 
stop in and talk to them, and maybe they can help you do to meet in their others in the other states of which they also have branches, which is probably all over the country. How does that sound? Very good. Very good idea. We did actually speak to an optimist club in Colorado. Um, we didn't focus on doing that, but I think your idea is something whose time has come. We spoke to an optimist club, and I think the club and ourselves enjoyed it very much. We uh, <clears throat> had a you know a lovely breakfast talk on that, and and uh, it uh, it worked out really well. And uh, as I said, we didn't focus on that. That kind of fell into our laps. But uh, as did being on uh, a couple of radio shows, one at a radio station and then a couple of other uh, blog talk type shows. And those things um, really do help reach the message out, as you said. And, of course, A Smiling World at the bottom line is about building communities and having uh, communities that reach out. For example, when we get up in your neck of the woods, um, we will be working on building community there, and then yourself and your colleagues and friends and whatnot will maintain that community. But you will also, as a community, um, will be saying, okay, here's the map, in effect, that you've handed us of where these other communities are and of like-minded people that are working on this ascension process and and here's, you know, contacts and whatnot. And and it's it's the same effect that Facebook has, you know. It, it becomes a, a network as such of, of people, but it's people who are focusing on um, the actual ascension process of leaving this three-dimensional war-torn world, as it were, and also the the very negative programming. I know that your audience is probably a bit above the um, basic lack of understanding of what's really going on in the world, but because right. we live in a world that the darker forces are programming us day in and day out with television and uh, media and what have you with messages that are 180 degrees away from empowerment because they don't want us empowered. Obviously, they want us to be servants to them. Right. Um, but a lot of people don't realize what is being done to counter that in the process. Yeah, and, and getting the uh, light, as it were, shining brighter and brighter in communities um, we are not the only ones doing this by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, we may be the only one taking a festival along the road at the moment, but there are a lot of people doing a lot of good work out there. And I think the more we link up, connect, share with each other what we're doing and how we're doing it, you know, it, it is how we'll change the world to, you know, a positive outcome is everybody getting to know everybody more or less. Right. Yeah, it's been very encouraging actually. Uh, already we've we've been approached by somebody who was um booked for the festival, didn't actually manage to appear in the end for various reasons, but she um saw our communications going out about taking a smiling world and the festival on the road. We've already had a, a conference call with her about the possibility of collaborating with what she's doing, which is a cabaret of consciousness which is, you know, obviously a musical 
um, delivery of the message that's very similar to ours. So, you know, we're just really starting to get this message out. I'm sure more of those opportunities will arise. But I do appreciate your suggestion, Marcus, about these different organizations. One of the ones that occurred to me as well was in, in Austin, we have a holistic chamber of commerce, which is obviously much more um, in alignment with the kind of work that we do as opposed to the conventional chamber of commerce, which is very much in that kind of third-dimensional world and right. probably would would kind of not get what we're about at all. So, you know, it's really about focusing in on where we're likely to find um, an empathetic audience, people who really get what we're about. And, um, you know... Or or those, I would add, Jan, um, or those who are standing, as I describe it, Martha, those who are standing at the edge of the bridge, looking across the bridge to the other side, and are saying... I wonder what's over there. It looks interesting. And being there with the open arms and saying, come on over, have a look around, because our whole approach is, is effectively, come on over, have a look around. If you like what you see, you're welcome to be a part of this. If you don't, you know, that's okay. You can wander back across the bridge and, and choose to stay in the world that we're in. And also bring an enlightenment to people um, about, the simple ways that some of these changes can come to be. Um, for example, I talk to people all the time that will say, oh, I've got to go buy some Roundup for my yard. And I tell them, do you know what Roundup is? And do you know who makes it? The Monsanto Corporation, the most evil corporation in the world. And right. uh, not, not my comment. I mean, that's actually something that was voted that way. And when you get the chance to just share a little dialogue like that and say, by supporting and using Roundup, you're not only poisoning Mother Earth, you're not only poisoning every man, woman, and child on the planet, but you're also supporting a corporation that is intent and absolutely hell-bent on killing all of us. And you realize that as people become awakened to these kind of things, all it requires is a simple choice of where the dollars are spent. Instead of spending the dollars on Roundup, they go over and say, okay, here's a product called EcoSmart, and it's it's all natural, you know, vinegar and, you know, whatnot, and it'll kill my weeds. I don't need this other, you know, extremely toxic thing. And it it's just that soft, gentle continuing education and bringing that that message forward to people who are at the different levels they're at. Some will say, I know all about that. That's no problem. I'm, a, I'm part of the March Against Monsanto. But what they may not realize is they may not realize that the Bayer Company is doing the same thing. And I always grew up, you know, Bayer Aspirin. Well, you got to have that go take some Bayer Aspirin. But what you don't realize is what's really there. And by getting people out there and sharing these stories online and whatnot that have met in situations like the festival or the Smiling World Roadshow, and they're sharing knowledge about different things, they not only can help each other work through situations, um, and that's one thing that, if you don't mind me saying, um, I'll just interject with no ego here at all, just a statement of fact, Jan and I have been through 
some absolutely incredible. And when people are talking to people, oftentimes a crisis for them might be losing their house. It might be um, a very sick child that's in the hospital with a, a very serious terminal illness or whatnot. But if they are coming to the roadshow and seeing people, for example, let me just give you an example. I've I've had a gun stuck in my face in the holdup. I've been run over by a car. I've had a 16-year-old stepdaughter killed in a car accident. I've been through divorces, et cetera, et cetera. And Jan has, you know, these kind of experiences as well of various things that have happened to her as well. And so as we get out and connect with people who have some area that we have experience in sharing, we're also building a community to where if they've had an experience perhaps that we have not had, uh, fortunately I haven't survived a plane crash, but maybe they have. And maybe somebody lost a friend in a plane crash or is scared to death of flying or something. And maybe they actually are the ones that end up lending the help out to the next person. And as you well know, Marcus, that's what it's all about in community building. Right, right. Yeah, I think that's a really oh, good point, Bill. I mean, it's it's been interesting for me how, having, um, you know, that every person that's come to me for coaching help has had an experience that's very similar to something I've experienced. So I'm able to empathize completely with um, the situation that they're in. And that's very different from kind of following the textbook on things because when you've been through an experience that's very you know, traumatic, um, stressful, challenging, then, you know, you're able to feel how it must be for that person going through it now. And I think the big thing, the big difference, I think, in the way that we approach things is we're, we're kind of setting this in the context of the bigger picture and the kind of cosmic changes that are going on at the moment because, you know, a lot of people come along and say, oh, I've got this really big problem with um, losing my house, for example, which is an example that um, Bill raised. And I've, I've worked with people, we've both worked with people who have been in that position of losing their house. And and this is the this is the principle of manifestation, but very often people will put out an intention to the universe that says, I want to be able to go on and do this. And just like the situation that we're in right now, what happens is that something has to move away in order to allow the space for the thing that you intend to actually manifest. But very often people get stuck on the thing that's moving away and they think, oh my God, it's crisis and this is this is all falling apart and this is not what I wanted at all. But it's actually an essential step along the way to the thing they want to manifest, you know? I mean, we've been teaching on the brink of doing this um, roadshow with the Smiling World probably for the last year. And it's been literally kind of on the edge of the cliff thinking, we really need to jump, we really need to jump. And of course, like everybody, you know, you tend to think in terms of your material comfort, security, whatever it is, how on earth is this going to happen? 
and then what happens is the universe comes along and says, well, I'm sorry, but you, you've got to do this. This is your purpose. And that's where the manifestation process is inextricably linked to your destiny and your purpose. So we spent three years here on an apprenticeship to qualify us to go out and deliver this teaching because we've been made to absolutely walk our talk. And until we're able to walk our talk, I'm afraid we're not suitable, we're not qualified to go out and teach it. So the last few weeks have been a final exam. I was convinced of this weeks ago. We're going through a final exam here to say, can you put into practice what you've learned, even in the most challenging situations? And if you can, you'll graduate to the next level you're ready to go out there and do it. And yes, it's been really challenging to both of us, but we've stayed focused on, you know, following proper principles, as the I Ching says, and staying conscious and not reacting in from ego and very, very focused on what we truly believe in our hearts is our purpose. And we know that the universe is going to bring us through this into exactly and, the situation that we need to be and, in. And let mm-hmm. me uh, make you let me make you laugh, Marcus, and and hopefully the audience will get a chuckle out of this too. Yes, it it did. We we had been working on this like for a year, and the um, ranch owner here has a, a very abusive and dark husband, uh, dark energy husband, and. He suddenly got involved in the last four weeks and is horrific to work with. And I don't mean this judgmentally. He truly has psychopathic and sociopathic tendencies and and is pretty evil in, in his malicious approach to things. So, But he suddenly got involved. And we had been laying all this groundwork and talking about what we needed to go and what have you. And here's where the chuckle comes in. So... I step back and say, I'm not having any of this. Uh, This is just, you know, too dark and just not productive, as it were. And took some time off and said, I'm just going to take a couple of days off of sick leave. And, and of course, he said, he called me and said, I understand you're sick. I have some medical advice. You're fired. And uh, which is against the law and about 900 other things, but but nonetheless, it did it didn't really make any difference because it was like Jan and I were like, oh, we've been talking about going on the road. Well, the divine, as Jan said, gave us a kick up the backside and said, let's go. But here's where the really funny thing was about it was I started laying the trip out, and many many months ago. We had bought some tickets to see the Moody Blues in Red Rocks in Denver, Colorado. And we were going to make a special trip up there to see some friends, see the Moody Blues, take a week of our vacation, and go up and see the Moody Blues for that one night. But, of course, you obviously have to take more time off. Laid out the trip, and lo and behold, we happened to be in the Denver area right when our tickets that we bought six months ago were uh, for that concert, and it was like, oh, well, that's convenient. <laughs> Didn't the divine work that nicely? And then also there's a couple other things that fell into place kind of the same way, and that's that's what I think a lot of times people don't, you know, they get caught up in the focus of the problem, and as Jan teaches in her her coaching side, and, and I also share 
that I learned from her is you never, ever, ever, ever focus on the problem, ever. You always stay focused dead on the outcome because the divine works out the details of the how. And as long as we don't get ourselves mixed up in that, the divine will give us the inspired actions to take. We have to do the actions, but we'll get those messages, that gut feeling. We'll get that voice in our head. We'll get that vision uh, that we're on the right track. And we'll get those messages coming in, and it's opening up, as Jan says, that space and allowing those messages to come in and say, hmm, okay, I I myself this morning woke up, was laying in the bed, just sort of had a vision of black clouds rolling across. People could look at that and think, oh, you know, it's like evil energy. You could even feel in a way it was evil energy. And it passed over, went up and over my head as I was standing there uh, in my kind of vision of it. And I realized at the end of it, it was very clear that all of that negative energy was passing over and leaving and going off in the distance had not touched me. It was like the aura. And then all of a sudden there were two crystal clear silhouettes, crystal clear silhouettes came up, one of a rhinoceros and one of a camel. So I went and got the spirit animal book and looked it up, and the camel represents a a reaffirmment that you're on exactly the right path, doing exactly the right thing, and similar, you know, in the rhinoceros thing. And these little things crop into our heads all the time. But what has happened in the world is so many people are programmed into fourth down and ten on a football game or watching whatever it's called, 5,000 Shades of Grey or whatever, some sitcom that is actually all being a message of you have no power. You are a little person. I mean, one of the greatest examples, I never saw it. I don't even know what it's about, but I see these little uh, toy things about the minions. Well, the very word minions, you know, is a servant to, um, you know, some higher higher echelon of the control of the slavery. And people don't, don't realize all this subconscious stuff going on around us designed to hold us down. But when they back up and look at it from this other perspective and say, I am empowered, I can create anything I desire, what I have to do is just step back, open the space, and say, and ask the divine for help in doing that and also start watching consciously all those thoughts and saying, whoa, that thought doesn't serve me. I mean, I don't. I never played baseball or anything. I did take Jan when she first came to America to see a Colorado Rockies game, so that she could say she'd actually seen a baseball game. But, but I played a little bit, you know, in high school or whatnot in gymnastics or PE, whatever it was called. And, uh, but it's I use the phrase all the time. I say all those higher beings out there, whether it's the ascended masters that people want to refer to, or the angels, or the archangels, or whatever. I just always say, all of you out there, keep those baseball gloves on. And when a bad thought's coming in and I go, whoa, that's not the right thought. Y'all catch that one. Don't let it get to the divine manifestation. And let's go back to focusing on, you know, the positive outcomes. So this is all what we're about, obviously. But if people think of it in the way that no matter what they see, 
if they just take the time and the deep breath and back up and step back and look at it and say, I asked the divine for something, I opened up the space, hey, not only may I be getting what I asked for, and it looks different, but I don't realize that I'm actually getting what I asked for, and and it's being given to me, but usually there's an icing on the cake, too, that we don't even think about, and unless we're really paying attention, often we miss that. Right. So, yeah, it's just, I mean, there's just had me so worried much going on. No, 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 I'm, just, I mean, I'm, I'm actually <laughs> in the process of sending you a bunch of links for you to follow up on to really move forward with what we've been talking about. So mm, I've been you, pretty busy while you've been talking. Now. Yeah, I've seen them so, pop up on my Facebook Messenger. Thank you. That's really helpful. I think we have yeah, a thing. Uh, Marcus, I'll, I'll throw one other thing in. Jan has to be. I'm 63 years old, and my mother called me a womanizer once. I don't think I was a womanizer. One of my women friends said, I'm just a good friend. But, but uh, Jan and I have a good laugh about that all the time. But because I have known plenty of women as as friends and whatnot, I can honestly say I'm very lucky to have the best one in the world, in my opinion, (laughs) right here with me. But Jan is a terrific and wonderful hugger. She actually can transfer so much good energy in a hug. So all of these nice favors and good things you're doing for us, Marcus, we get up your way. The first thing you're going to have to do is say, I want that hug, man. <laughs> well, with me, as um, like I've told you, what I definitely plan on bringing you to, and and, and actually, what I, I do want to put together some type of a workshop conference or something like that for you up up my way. But the perfect place is up in the White Mountains, which you will love. Mm-hmm. Sounds great. And and I just want to see if we can do it. Maybe even do like a. Um, a group of us staying at the Lafayette campground, which is right across the street from Mountain Lafayette. And, of course, you know the reason for that, right? I'm not familiar with that one. You'll have to bring me up to speed on that. Okay, well, basically, it's up in the White Mountains and, and here in New Hampshire. And beneath Mountain Lafayette is the opening to one of the many crystal cities of light, which is not yet publicly known, because there's a lot of them... I mean, everyone's heard of Mount Shasta and um, Machu Picchu and, and so forth. But there's so many other entrances that also have crystal cities of light around the world, especially under mountain ranges, that are not publicly known, that are equally important in the fact that they're all interconnected. Right. I, I heard of one in, in the Sedona area, but I can't remember the name of the person who was talking about this this city of light in Sedona actually appearing over the Christmas tree. It, it obviously didn't, but um, so well, I've, those would I've be perfect of, places for you to to hold some type of a event or or something, which you and I, you know, both of you and I can can work out some ideas to do that. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be really good, Marcus. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, I think talking about. Um, manifestation which I was doing earlier about the fact that this situation that we're in at the moment is an absolute um, what I'm sure will turn out to be the perfect manifestation for us to move into fully into our purpose 
I mean, one of the things that I work with people on is really seeing the connection between what what they're here to do from a life purpose and a soul purpose point of view. And the way I look at it right. is that um, we all have this soul purpose whereupon ultimately we're here to experience love, joy, peace, abundance, as I call it, LJPA, and to grow through specific experiences. In my case, my my um, sole purpose is to is um, focused around abundance and power, which absolutely makes sense in terms of all the um, experiences I've had from childhood and this um, focus for me on empowerment. And what I've come to understand is that the life purpose, the things that we do in life, the jobs, the relationships, the circumstances that we live through are the perfect environment for that soul growth to occur, which is exactly what's happened here in the last three years, as Bill said. I mean, it's the same as happened for me in terms of um, addressing some, you know, on some existing ego issues, again, particularly around judgment. I mean, judgment for, for people is the hardest ego issue to overcome because we're kind of brought up in an environment of judgment. You know, everybody's making judgments about everybody else and it becomes so ingrained it's one of the hardest things to get over and the the frustrating thing can be that you judge yourself for judging. So it's like a right. circle, you know? And I went through that process and, and to it still takes a lot of um, self-discipline to not allow yourself right. to go into that place of judgment. So, you know, what, what we've been given here is an environment where that judgment was stimulated very much, very strongly so that it could come to the surface, so that we could realize, be aware of that issue, and then learn to deal with it. And this is where the life purpose, the things that you do, support the soul purpose, and you actually manifest things that are in alignment with that. It's like, our, you know, we have a destiny. We've come to this lifetime with um, an intention for what we want to experience. And this is where I find that the law of attraction has a big disconnect with, with the multidimensional aspect of our life on this planet. You know, a spiritual being. Well, it's like right. It's like law of attraction is kind of out there as, oh, I can manifest stuff, and it has nothing to do with what we're really here to experience. So, you know, that's why people struggle with it, because they're trying to do things that are in line with their conditioning and their subconscious issues. They're not trying to manifest in line with their purpose, which is actually about giving and service and right. and fulfillment. Most definitely. Not, yeah. So, right. you know, this right. is something that once people start to realize this and understand the purpose and understand the meaning of the experiences that they have, instead of being self-critical and feeling worthless and feeling like a failure, suddenly it clicks and it says, ah, oh, right, now I understand why these things have been coming up, it's because 
I came here with an agreement for them to come up and and Most to leave. Yeah, so right. that in itself is empowering for people because they right. have a much greater understanding of the context in which these things are happening. Right. I think we're, we're about halfway through the show, and um, I know a lot of listeners sometimes they get a little edgy in their seats. They need to get something to drink or what have you. So I'm going to do a really powerful song. It's only about four minutes long. And then when we come back, um, I'd like you to again repeat your website and also your fundraiser link. Thank you very much. Okay, so I, I think you'll enjoy this, this song too. I'm not just this body Emotion or this mind These senses or conditions Feelings going round The truth is I am really Not as I appear Not ending or beginning I am ever, everywhere Who I really am Who I truly am Is boundless Beyond body Beyond mind and time Beyond this earthly life Learning to discover My needs of taking form I'm ever on a journey Experience it all Everything's illusion Lives of every sort Momentary pleasure Passing through this world But who I really am Who I truly am is endless, awesome wonder, ageless wisdom, design, beyond this earthly life. I am not this body, emotion, or this mind. Or conditions, feelings going round. The truth is, I am really not as I appear, not ending or beginning. I am ever everywhere. Who I really am 
onto the eastern half of the states after the holidays, um, you will have the opportunity to know where we're coming and when we're coming and, and what that all looks like. So we invite everybody to come share in the resources. We've got a lot of great articles there and and also uh, links to the Festival of Enlightenment, which is actually has its own website, festivalofenlightenment.com. And you can see what we did in the 2011 festival and get a little taste of what um, is coming out on the roadshow in a mini version of uh, multiple city festivals. And and that's what it's all about. But we really are hoping that people can stop by and maybe give up one of those Starbucks cup of coffees. And maybe if they're doing really well and abundance is slowing well, they might wish to share more if they like what they see that we're doing. So we're most gracious and love everybody out there even if they just stop by and look at it and say this is not for me at least they stop by <laughs> so we hope they'll pick up a little love energy on the visit at the very least <laughs> all right most definitely now um it's definitely a much very worthy cause and as, as you know i will work we're going to be working on getting other radio show hosts to listen to this archive so that they can spread the word and perhaps have the two of you on as guests on their shows as well. So um, we'll be talking more about that off air and seeing what we can do to move that forward as well. Yeah, and Marcus, um, you know, your work is very important, what you're doing, and, and it's it's also important. We've taken a hiatus um, or a little break from um doing our radio show we actually have a radio show on blog talk that has been um, dormant for quite some time because we got so involved with the festival and and the outcome of it but uh, we do intend to revive that and we're looking forward to people just as yourself that have uh, like-minded intentions of raising the consciousness of the world and and uh, helping people you know, come on to that show when we get it back up and on the air as well. So it, it's one of those things where we're all building communities and and we can um, hopefully, you know, connect those communities to, to ultimately create what in our work is called a smiling world. That's the outcome. And as I said in the other hour, there's a lot of people out there doing a lot of good things. And the more that we are all connecting and getting together, the faster we're pushing the darkness out of out of the world and, and bringing in the light. Right now I am getting um, a vision, which, as you know, I'm a multidimensional, omniversal energy worker, healer, intuitive, telepath, what have you, mm-hmm. is to coordinate in real time, I mean, this is down the road, not right away, a an international through our contacts which we can work on different parts of the world to have an online um, conference a webinar type thing and we can figure out the details later so that all around the world in at the same moment per se or you know it doesn't have to be people can create circles you know hand circles holding hands. Uh, or just in groups watching the webcast and just put out that intention together in the collective groups to to combine prayer, meditation, and so forth, which I, I will work with you on because, you know, I'm very good with that. And mm-hmm. bringing that consciousness, that intention, the 
that love and support into the collective consciousness of humanity and the consciousness of Mother Earth simultaneously infusing it with the higher intentions of what you are co-creating now with what others like myself are also doing around the world, bringing all of that together collectively at the same time. I think that we could even have... We can have singers from uh, that that also share that highest of intentions at some of these spots. We're not going to get them in all of them to perform online, on air, and take turns. Yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely brilliant because when you do things like that, I mean... Even the places that are the darkest recesses and corners and sometimes intentions, maybe not intentions, maybe just coincidence, people doing their job, but people at a higher level or have other intentions that the people doing the job don't realize that they're feeding with that. Uh, and what I was going to say for a little laugh was the fact that the NSA is listening in on everything that goes on. Who knows? If we create something like that and get enough energy going, the entire NSA might all just turn white with light and and uh, see the light, as it were, <laughs> for the well, good benefit of the world. <laughs> well, well, that is already happening, and it's just a matter of moving it forward to the next level. And there Absolutely. is a great deal of support. And if people listen to some of my other shows that I do with Karen Cressman, with the Drum Dean Council, plus uh, uh, what they are doing to help and support the planet. As I know, there are others that are also doing high work with them and others of our galactic family that they are doing a lot themselves on many levels. They even have their own first contact teams that they hear given of themselves, putting themselves at risk to help us, to support us. Uh, where quite often in order to take out that which is going to cause great harm to Earth's humanity or life on the planet, they put themselves at risk, such as the man-made viruses and so forth, and they take it upon themselves where they become, they need major health support, and they are then brought on board our hospital ships where they're given the help that they need so that they can recover and get back to work. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm a big follower of that, Marcus. I, I, um, Bill tends to kind of focus on the, um, the, uh, let's say the cabal and the the agenda of the dark side, and I kind of watch on what's going on on the light side, and we kind of come together and say, well, I know that this is happening, and that's going to counteract that. So <laughs> it's uh, right. really, um, you know, the more that we're all aware of of what's really going on behind the scenes, I think the more encouraging it is that we're really making progress. Right. So have you heard some of my other shows I've done this year here? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've been, you've sent me some links from the for the shows that you've done, um, which I've been listening to. So, yeah, it's very interested in what, what you're doing there, Marcus. Yeah, and that's when Jan says she focuses, you know, on kind of the light side and I keep up a little more with what's going on over on the other side. Um, 
I think it just comes a little bit as a natural for me because um, in my days of owning my equipment company and whatnot, I worked with such high levels of what has been overtaken by the cabal, like the Department of Defense and um, Lockheed uh, Skunk Works that does all the military secret weapons and whatnot. I I had quite a lot of exposure to these things, and I think that's where I first started understanding that something was going terribly wrong. <laughs> and right. and well, the more it right. started making sense, then now, of course, now that we've made this um, journey together, uh, with Dan and I working on both of it, it it's uh, it's quite interesting to keep up with um, how things are progressing. But the the light is definitely overcoming. And as I said, you know, there's there's a lot of different in, interpretations of things too. I, and this is strictly a personal opinion, Marcus. I I'm not expecting listeners to agree or disagree either way with this just merely a personal opinion, but I, I was saying that, you know, biblically speaking, as organized religion has taught us, which is very, very limiting um, and very control-oriented in organized religion, um, they've taught us this, you know, great Armageddon is coming and whatnot, and as I told Dan, I think that ultimate battle against good and evil is going on right now, no doubt about it. And it, it doesn't have to be, you know, some massive nuclear war or whatnot. That's just a perspective people have. But what's really happening, as you well know, with the connections and the people you work with and what have you, is there's a huge amount that's going on behind the scenes that that people don't realize. And these little things or big things, as they were, that may or may not be known, you know, they all add up, but there is a, a definite wave of light overtaking that darkness. I I can see it on every front. Right. Most definitely. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on that is not going to be known unless people read use the divine discernment within through the divinity within themselves to find who can, they can find online that resonates that high love vibration that they feel, oh, he's t- they're telling truth. They're telling what's really going on versus the lies and misinformation that is also going out there. Yes, and I think if, you know, the experience I've had, which is really fun actually, I I call, you know, this whole journey a treasure hunt because, you know, we put out a question and the the divine manifestation process brings us the answers and it can be by the most circuitous routes. I mean, Bill's been mentioning sacred economics book and that was one of the examples of me asking a question to the universe when I was I was creating the new um a Smiling World website, which was done um, that spring of last year. And one of the things I was considering was, what do we do in terms of structuring this on a financial level? Because, you know, we really want to be pioneers in the new paradigm of how we operate in prosperity and abundance 
that is not based on greed and and you know the the old paradigm of fixed charging in a way that bears no relation to the relative ability of people to pay. I mean, it's like the theory of relativity. You know, $1,000 to one person is nothing, and to the other, it's a fortune. So why should we um, apply fixed pricing to things? Should we not apply an energy exchange that they, they feel comfortable with, that reflects the value in their eyes and in their ability to pay, of, of the service that they're getting. And I've kind of put this out to the universe, said, you know, how, sh- how should we approach this? And what I got was, a, it was like a paper trail of different emails of people who, that the, somebody had done an interview with somebody else who had then mentioned this book, Sacred Economics by Charles Eisenstein. So I thought, all oh, right, let's have a look at this. And I read the book, and I must recommend it to um, your audience because it's it's a very informative book about how the current financial system actually engenders scarcity and how um, in, you know how immoral it is, how uh, it's based on greed and by the the wealth staying in the hands of a few instead of flowing through communities. It's a case of hoarding money rather than circulating it as a currency is meant to do. And it it talks about um, the gift economy, which is the approach that we've taken. There's a huge amount of really valuable information in there about alternative currencies, about communities um, being the centers of commerce where all the different... um, skill sets in the community support each other and create their own micro-economy. So fabulous book. But the point I'm trying to make is, you know, if, if, we're, if people are starting to ask the question, what is going on? And there are a lot of people, unfortunately, who aren't even at that point. They're just kind of uh, mesmerized by the, the stories that, and the lies that the media are telling them and, and too busy just trying to make ends meet to even think about what's really going on. But for those people who are starting to question, sending those questions out and looking at what information comes back is that treasure hunt. And they'll find that the information will come to them in the most unexpected ways, actually, and it, it then becomes quite fun because you then get to the, you know, that take, that clue takes you to that answer. And then you say, okay, so what's the next thing that I need to know about this? And the next clue comes along and you go to the next answer. And it really makes it quite fun. <laughs> mm. Right. Most definitely. It's so beautiful. So what do you see over the next few months with the transition, because I think along your journey, as you're you're traveling from place to place, meeting more people, doing more and more networking, and putting out the intention to co-create with those you work with, and then the pay it forward, where they're going to be taking the information, the knowledge, the wisdom that the two of you are going to be teaching and sharing, and paying it forward, making a difference in other people's lives, that wouldn't have been touched had they not met you along your journey while you're traveling. Yeah, 
And and thank you, Marcus. It's very sweet of you to you know say such lovely things about what we plan to do. Um, one of the things that we were talking about that you were talking about before was about community, and we've always held this view that a smiling world is really about building conscious communities. So each place that we stop, we plan to spend some. You know, even if the event might be one day or one day or three days, even. It's not a question of we get there, we do the event, we go. The, the idea is that we spend some time in that area so that if people want to do some one-to-one work with us while we're there, they can do. Um, and also this idea of, of seeding these conscious communities in these different places so that those people that, uh, that attend our events or you know, learn from us as you say, can pay it forward, but create around themselves a growing community as they spread this message of empowerment and consciousness and grow these communities that then become a network of connected communities around the country, around the globe. And and it's, you know, they kind of expand and come together so that it becomes a critical mass that is the majority instead of what's still current is that the third dimensional, you know, egoic paradigm is still the majority. So by by growing these communities, growing awareness, stimulating the awakening to what we are meant to be as as spiritual beings, how powerful we are what we intend to create as a new earth. That is what is going to continue the momentum of what we're presenting rather than, you know, you go to a place, people get the message and then they kind of go back to the day job and it all fades away and they're back into the old way of being, thinking, doing. So that's the concept of of growing these communities and I know we share that with others as well so you know if we can as if we can collaborate on this as much as possible we're in a collaborative world here not a competitive world and also one of the ultimate intentions that we haven't mentioned is actually to create Centers for Conscious Evolution Centers for Conscious Living which are going to be um basically centers in some of the beautiful places of the world, you know, where, where people can really reconnect with nature, much like what we did in, in Estes Park by the Rocky Mountains. You know, the setting for that in itself had so much impact on people with the, the power and the energy of the mountains and the elk, you know, walking through the property and the wildlife and just the feeling of being so close to nature had a really profound effect on people. And it's by losing that connection with nature that we've got into the, a lot of the reason why we've got into the mess we're in because people don't have any feeling of responsibility for the environment. It's like I go to the supermarket and buy my groceries. That has nothing to do with the fact that the earth is being poisoned as a mean, you know, part of the method of getting that. So the more we can reconnect people with their heritage, with their connection to Gaia, 
the the more we're going to make a an, an impact. Most definitely. To come and spend time exploring these things. You know, we can do it just on time and nature. They can sit in a labyrinth, they can do a medicine wheel, they can, you know, take part in a in a workshop on empowerment. Um, yeah, and as I was saying, Marcus, I didn't realize I was on mute. As I was saying, since Jan's phone was dropping in and out there, um, what I was going to add is, as she was saying, that by being in those areas for a while, um, it um, it it gives us the time to do more than just the little event or two, three days and saying, okay, everybody, that was fun. And, and as she said, um, everybody going back to work in the day job, um, most of our stops we're planning on 10 or 12 days there so that we can really, you know, get connected with that community. And in areas like Denver, for example, um, maybe I would say your listeners are probably tuned in enough to know what is really pretty well going on. But Denver is a very, um, people think of Boulder as like a big spiritual center and what have you. But the Denver area and that upper area of Colorado is a very, very, very dark, um, very dark center of all of this going on. And it's something that needs a lot of light and a lot of good energy. And we probably will be spending six or eight weeks in that area working, uh, depending on how things go. So where there are heavy concentrations of um, the cabal or the Illuminati or whatever you want to call it, it's dark energy influence, we're going to do our very best to build really strong communities and, and stay there yeah. long enough to make sure they've got a good roots good and a good foothold. Yeah. yeah, I'd be glad to help you with that. Now, another idea like I've had, had for doing for my own websites that I'm, I'm in the process of developing is creating a, an actual website that is a community website. I just gave you a link for Boonex. I'm not saying to use that software necessarily, but to use that as a an idea to create through other ways of doing it so that your website itself or one that you have is actually a community social media type website itself so people can actually pay, say, a subscription or something like that, like I'm going to have on mine, so to support the work, but they can actually talk to each other and you can organize it in a way so that they're supporting each other, supporting the work through your social community website that you have that's designed for that. Yeah, um, Marcus, that's uh, very true and that's very much along the lines of what the um, membership site that Jan's putting together is so the community actually has an interaction base. But that's the important thing is when people like yourself are building those sites that we get that interconnection where people can say, okay, well, I'm in this community and uh, 
I want to connect over and let people in the other community know maybe what resources or information or whatnot I have to offer and, and those kind of things. Of course, that's all about community building. Jan had a really, really interesting uh, little research into a project that um, she can correct me or, or add to, but it basically was about the Gore Foundation that makes Gore-Tex, um, like for ski gloves and whatnot, the insulation uh, thing, and how they had found that communities or businesses or anything that exceed 150 individuals in size tend to start going off the rails, off track, uh, and out of um, accomplishing, you know, what they're really trying to accomplish. And the reason being is... Can I jump in there for a minute? Yeah, yeah, jump in there. The information, I actually read in a book called The Tipping Point, um, which I can um, actually tell you the author in a minute when I've looked it up, but in The Tipping Point, it was talking about the concept that communities um, in the indigenous um, populations, they don't get any bigger than 150. Once once they reach the tipping point of 150, they tend to split off and create another community. And the theory behind it, and, and this is a, some research that, that Gore, the, the company that makes Gore-Tex, adopted this because what it creates is a, a community that is small enough to be have full accountability and full connection within it. So that in a in a corporate environment, instead of different departments working in isolation from the others and not really knowing one department not really knowing what another one's working on, in a small um, environment of maximum of 150 everybody knows everybody else everybody then has an accountability to everybody else so it's about peer pressure and they found that the level of success and commitment and results orientation is so much higher as soon as you get beyond the 150 mark the um the community starts to break apart and and that connection between the individuals within it is lost and so they the lose the accountability, the connection and everything else and um, so I think what, and I'm reading your mind now Bill, I think what you were thinking about saying was that if we can emulate that size limit I don't know I don't know what's going on with Jan's phone but I don't know. I'm hearing it too. She's obviously she's obviously losing it. But I know where she was going with this, and and so I'll just fill in here. Um, it is um, the fact that what they found was the 150, as she said, uh, exceeding that breaks apart. However, by having, if you will, let's just call it like Native Americans, the tribal elders in communication from one tribe to the next tribe to the next tribe. Everybody still is working together. So it doesn't mean your community is limited to 150 on a planet of 8 billion. All 8 billion people can meet like-minded people. What it just means is, is the communities are all interconnected knowing the people who 
know the community inside and out or talking to the other leaders who know the community inside and out or the other experts in a particular area or whatnot. And instead of trying to know eight people, eight billion people on the planet, everybody's comfortably knowing 150 people around them, but perhaps has an outreach to um, one or two or three or four of these other communities and is talking, and then that person in turn is sharing the the information. And that's really, you know, where the world um, was uh, up until the point of the, of the digital lights where now that, you know, one of us can say something and the next day, you know, two or three hundred million people can know it depending on how viral it goes, which is fine, except for the fact that, of course, the cabal or the darker forces also use that to their advantage. But by building these really strong communities with everybody, um, then then those communications going from community to community can be, um, you know, spread in the same viral sense and, and bring a light rather than a darkness. Mm. I think I, I just saw it. Right. Dan just came into the room, so she, she may have a better phone reception. I mean, out here where we are on the ranch, I mean, it's, you know, some days are like, hello, is there an Internet out there? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I mean, that's going to be one of your challenges while you're on the road is to find places that have good enough Internet for you to use for broadcasts or internet. Well, actually, things like you're that. right. You're very right about that, Marcus, but I'm very blessed with the fact that the um, we are going to be staying in campgrounds that all have, you know, good Wi-Fi in them, but um, I was very blessed with receiving a letter when I was about 35 years old from the Good Sam Club, uh, which is the big, our biggest RV club in the world. Um, good Sam sent me a letter and said, we've decided that our year-to-year membership – we're going to make a charter member offer. And um, as we know, most RVers are usually of retirement age, 60s and up. And um, they were like, instead of paying your $200 renewal or whatever it was, for only $300, we will give you a life membership, a charter life membership. And I laughed at that. Wow. And I thought, I'm only 35. You guys think I'm 65 and going to kick the bucket in the next 10 years and be dead and gone. But I'm only 35. So although I didn't use it a lot, I, I took a few of the benefits along the way. I didn't use it a whole lot. Now, going out on the road, um, you know, we do have the advantage of some connections that I made long, long ago. But, yes, you're right. Um, we do have to watch that carefully. But we are going to try to... Uh, maintain um, a really, you know, good con- connection base. I mean, we are entering an era as the light infiltrates over the dark because there's going to be a transition and a changeover of all of the technologies to the light side. And, you know, that, that could cause some disruption in the world. There's definitely, I mean, it's obvious with now there's only three countries supporting the American dollar now as the U.S., possibly Saudi Arabia and Israel, and all of the rest of them have joined the BRICS nations now, including uh, Great Britain. So the American dollar is very rapidly approaching the end of its reign, and these corrupt bankers will fall with that 
which means that we might all be trading in Chinese yen or Vietnamese dong or who knows what in the near future, but it will be a gold-based, you know, a gold-backed economy and a real economy rather than this Ponzi scheme that the corrupt bankers have made. That in itself is going to have an impact on everybody in the world. And this is, I think this is one driving force for me is um, I know inside now pretty well the U.S. military structure, even though I wasn't uh, involved in it um, to any great degree. My father being a retired officer in my business, doing so much business with the U.S. military industrial complex uh, back when I was in the equipment business. Uh, as I said, I had a real look at things and um, finance and real estate and the war machine and the equipment business and everything else to very easily see the the actual grounds of what all of this is about. I got a, a early look at all of this, and as I said earlier, came to the realization that something was terribly wrong. I didn't quite get it, I'll have to admit, until about five or six years ago, but having been blessed with the travel to 48 states and seeing so much of so many things and living in the U.K., that it sort of was like an opportunity to step back and look at the puzzle and say, well, I, I saw the pieces of the outline going together, and I saw the pieces laying on the table, and I, I knew there was some kind of picture being painted there, but I didn't really realize what it was until I, I think actually until I moved to the United Kingdom and, and actually saw America from a distance and what was mm, really happening. Right. And I saw the whole big picture. But all of this is changing dramatically, and, and for the good. I mean, um, it's right. like anything else. Right. It, it's, yeah. it's, it's to be determined, but I, this is all part of the work all of us are doing. Right. Now, one thing that they're going to find is the fact there are many in the military, even the Pentagon, that support the original unaltered Constitution of the United States, bring by our founding fathers and even what that original intentions were, which is to support the American public, not the corrupt, cabal-controlled government that we have today with all the unjust laws that were created and everything else against the greater good of the population of the planet and the country. And the fact that yeah, the United States of America is a corporation, not the actual country itself. Exactly, and and as a corporation, we are um, we are falling victim to corporate law rather than humanity law. And and I think one of the important things here is people waking up to the fact that we are being treated as corporate employees, which means we have no rights at all uh, and no right to be people um, or just really slaves to the system. As people wake up to that and look back to the original documents of the founding of the United States, the good thing and the good news, I think, is they're even looking at that and realizing that that was far better than where we are now, but it had the seeds in it of what we have now. And as they examine that even further and say, 
the concept was there for free people as long as you were, you know, white, male, et cetera, et cetera. Right. The concept was there, but I think now people can look at it and say, you know, the concept was there, but this is a bigger thing. It's a bigger thing than America. It's a global thing. It's a galactic thing. It's a universal thing, you know? And right. we're starting to realize now that, that as as souls occupying our little classroom here on Earth, as it were, we're going through our classes and our graduation and whatnot, but what we do not only affects the planet, it affects everything outside of the planet as well. And right, and right. On the planet, the more you know, reverberates out into the universe. And I think I think that people are starting to wake up to that by looking right. back I mean, at the yeah. founding of America. One of the biggest proofs of all this is the fact that many other countries in Europe and other parts are not allowing Monsanto in. Number one, and number two, here in the United States, Obama put one of the uh, Monsanto lobbyists in charge of the Food and Drug Administration of the United States. What does that say about our government and Obama? Yeah, exactly. And, of course, you know, there are people who claim that Obama's a light worker and he's here to initiate the change, and there are people who claim that he's Satan himself, and everything else, and and I stand back and look at this and say, this is part of what our message is going out. It matters not what powers are over him, whether they be the dark powers or the cabal or Satan himself or whatever. The problem is, is the whole agenda is 180 degrees from us being light beings here on Earth to gain knowledge and experience and what have you and to protect the planet and to protect the repercussions on the galaxy and, and all of the other effects of it. And and so it's like it's like with Monsanto. I mean, you know, the in the ego world, the three dimensional world, somebody could say in the military, you know, somebody could say, Well I'm you know, really conscious, I realize everything we're doing is wrong, so I'm going to fly my B-2 stealth bomber over it and just blow up Monsanto. And as chances is, it's kind of like the wars America fights, uh, which interestingly, out of 200 and some odd years, 238 years, we've been at war 222 years of that existence, which tells you something's wrong right there. But if that bomber pilot is bombing Monsanto, it's like the same principle as the wars we fight. It's like going in and saying, my violence is more justified than your violence, which makes no sense. It's right. So if we go in from the other angle, as you said, the country's saying no to Monsanto, and people here are saying, really? Roundup's made by Monsanto? Well, I'm not buying that anymore. I'll get EcoSmart or some other brand that is more environmentally friendly and in tune with a, a conscious approach to the planet, then, mm. you know, it's almost like winning a war by stealth. Oh, I love the word that you were, said the word stealth because remember what I told you the other day, which our galactic family are doing to help and support us. They're using their cloaked ships 
over all of the GMO crops on the planet, especially here in the United States, and altering the proteins of those genetically modified crops so that they are will not no longer cause harm to those that eat the eat the, the the GMO crops. And also the seed is also now is being turned off so that it's no longer harmful as well. And reducing its germination rate so that GMO seeds will produce less plants than the organics, which are going to be an, are being enhanced and supported so therefore, supply and demand, the organic seed, organic crops are going to grow far better, far stronger than the GMO crops. And then the farmers are going to switch to the organic crops because they are more profitable because they, have, they grow better and grow stronger because of the support and the will of the planet, the uh, collective consciousness of humanity, and our galactic family government council and others that are supporting us exactly marcus and that is exactly i remember you discussing that uh before the radio show a week or so ago we uh talked about that a little bit the uh the fact is what you described is exactly what countless and i mean countless military officials are coming forward and saying now that UFOs or craft unknown to them have been uncloaking above major military installations and entire weapon systems, including our nuclear arsenal, being completely shut down and rendered useless. And I think that's yes. exactly what you described with the GMO crops. And this is the thing that I, I laugh about all the time. I say it really, it really surprises me that... No, it doesn't totally surprise me because, as I've said many times, insanity cannot recognize itself. If you have a psychopath or a sociopath or both, they don't know they're that because they're insane. And they do not. Insanity doesn't recognize insanity. So they don't really realize that. But it's always a laugh to me that in the history of the world, what some people argue is five generations of humankind uh, with four extinctions preceding us, that the dark forces do not seem to get the fact that darkness never, ever, ever wins over the light. And they seem to have this delusional belief that, oh, well, you know, we've got this technology and this power and everything, and they just don't understand that the quantum universe, the divine consciousness, all it would take is effectively the snap of the fingers in the human terms, the snap of the fingers, and this whole little blue marble would just disintegrate and be gone. (laughs) And they just don't grasp the power that is out there and the power of... Other life forces. I mean, my God, with 400, what is it, 400 inhabitable planets within just a short distance of us that could sustain life? I mean, how arrogant is that to say, oh, we're the only ones and we're the big bosses of the whole universe? I mean, that is, it's almost laughable, or it is laughable. I I, I totally, I know. Because as you know, I'm very consciously connected to 
far more than could be explained on, on, on our online radio show. But I'm one of many. So, um, all right, well, what we're going to do is the, the live streaming of the show is almost done, but it will continue to record afterwards uh, for another hour. But, of course, we don't have to be on that long, obviously. <laughs> Nothing will be asleep by then. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, all right, well, why don't we do this? Um, I'm going to play um, Only Love Is Real. And then the two of you get your, while I'm playing that, the two of you get your thoughts together to bring some type of closure to it. And then again, go over your links and what it is that, that you're doing. And uh, it's about three minutes. Okay? Lovely. Sounds great. That's okay. Lovely. Oh, bring your thoughts together. Okay. Whenever you're feeling confused When life's purpose is Remember what really matters There's only love that is real Only love That is real Only love That's really true Feel the oneness Within you There's only love that is real, 
Only love that is real. Only love that's real for me. such a beautiful song. So, um, go over your, your website, your links, and your fundraising, and anything else you want to say to bring us into closure. Mm-hmm. Sure. sure. Yeah, we're, we're all set. All right, go ahead. Okay. Um, well, as we said, um, in the first hour and the second hour, we're about to take A Smiling World, uh, our work at A Smiling World, and the Festival of Enlightenment out onto the road, and that is, uh, complete information is available on asmilingworld.com and asmilingworld.org, which both go to the same website, and we uh, also have information on the festival of enlightenment.com about what the festival in 2011 was all about and how that fantastic energy out of the festival is coming with us on the smiling world roadshow and we're just asking for the support and love of people who are out there to come to the smilingworld.com website uh and have a look at it. On the front page, there's a donate button that uh, they can donate directly through PayPal. They're on the site. There's also our GoFundMe campaign button, which links to our GoFundMe uh, campaign to raise the funds for the truck and trailer that we're going to be using on the road. Jan and I have put the investment in for the the weeks out, and uh, what we're doing now is raising the funding for the actual truck and trailer to deliver that roadshow, and we plan to be on the road around the 15th to the 30th of this month departing, and we will be on the road probably quite likely for the next three years uh, on this, with the exception of the holiday seasons when people are busy with holidays. We're doing the West Coast first, the West Side, up through Denver, uh, out of Austin, Texas, up through New Mexico and Colorado, on up into Seattle and down the West Coast, all the way down the West Coast to the bottom in San Diego, and then back across over to Dallas-Fort Worth area, so about 30 cities. And then we'll have a little holiday break uh, for everybody to get their Christmas uh, activities and family activities done over Christmas and Thanksgiving, and then we're hitting the road on the East Coast side of the tour, and we're going to bring miniature visions, uh, many the uh, many versions of the Festival of Enlightenment, and the teaching and mentoring and coaching that we do with a smiling world, with the tremendous amount of um, blessings that we've been blessed with and learnings and and uh, experiences in our life and helping basically to empower people and build communities um, that will be conscious and creative and in helping to develop a, a new world of higher consciousness and greater love for not only humanity but for our Mother Earth that takes care of us on a day-to-day basis. And we're all going to uh, be contributing to moving these dark forces out of the presence of our lives and... and um, 
enjoying love, joy, peace, and abundance, as Jan calls it, LJPA. That's pretty much our our whole program as it goes out, Marcus. Okay. All right, Jan, um, why don't you say something um, with what you are contributing and some type of closing higher intention or prayer, whatever it is that you would like to share. Hold on just one second, Marcus. Unmute your phone, dear. <laughs> Sorry, Marcus. I was on mute. I did a, I, I did a bill there for a minute. Um, thank you. Um, yeah, my, my purpose is very much to help people um, achieve personal empowerment, mindfulness, and, and conscious manifestation. And that's the message I'm going to be taking out. One of the things I'd just like to add to what Bill was saying is obviously, you know, if your listeners could share out our campaign with their connections as well, the more we can spread this across the the network, the more powerful it's going to be. And we'd also like to hear from people as to where they'd like us to visit. You know, we've got a a skeleton um, trip planned, which, as Bill was saying, will go up from, we're starting in Austin, Texas, We'll go up through New Mexico, through Santa Fe, Taos, up into Durango, and then up to Denver, and up into um, Oregon and Washington State, and then down the the West Coast, down to California. But in terms of where we're going to stop on that route, if, if people want us to visit their town and bring the message to their town, then please contact us through, they can contact us through the website. We have a contact form on there. And just say, look, we'd really like you to come to such and such a place. You know, we've got a community here that would really like to hear your message. So can you put us onto your schedule? That would be really fantastic. We'd like to to go where we have got a receptive audience as well as bringing the message into different places. Great. One other idea I have, which is along as well, you're probably already thinking, is you know how our people put together media kits, right? Mm -hmm. Put together a separate type of kit for your supporters in these other locations to how they can create and organize a a workshop or a conference or some type of uh, event give them some guidelines and perhaps some equipment that they might be needing, you know, to help you to better have everything all set for when you get there that everything is ready in place for you so it will run as smoothly as possible. So put together some type of guideline. Yeah, we obviously think along the same lines, Marcus, because... That's one of the things we're working on. You know, um, what we're putting together is the the kind of cookie-cutter concept of what these events look like, the logistical pack of what we need in terms of the infrastructure, and then a marketing pack that says this is how we go about promoting and getting the audience. So we're definitely working on that at the moment as part of this rollout. But, yeah, you're absolutely spot on there that... The easier, the easier we can make it for people to just, you know, help us to make these, these visits a success, the, the better it will be for everybody. Exactly. You know, um, I mean, I, I've done, um, been part of events here where I live, 
and where it was small workshops in, in, the, in the middle schools, you know, junior highs, to big citywide events. And, you know, so I know what it takes. And even one of the events that I did a number of years ago, we even had people from nonprofits all over the state come in to one of the local colleges where we had it. Do you remember years ago, Dr. Uh, General Coleman Powell? Mm-hmm, yeah. There was a period when he was not in active military and he was doing work to help the nonprofits, to help to build the mentorism. So he had a big national conference. Although I didn't go to that one, although I would have loved to, but then when they came back to the States, I was part of creating the first summit where we had people from all over the state attend, even from uh, through their area states. And it was a huge success. Mm. And it was a really good learning experience for me, as was others that were involved. Brilliant, yes. Excellent. So we're definitely looking forward to coming up to your neck of the woods, Marcus, so we can actually meet in person after knowing each other now for off and on for the last, Almost five years. Quite hard cool. to believe, really. <laughs> and like I, like I told you, make sure when you come up here, it is a warmer time of the year so that we can go up to the mountains and you know get a group together up there and show you the beauty of my state. That would be lovely. I must say, I have a, a little map attached to our refrigerator which has the dots on of all the states that I've visited and one place I've not yet managed to get to is, um, you know, your neck of the woods. Um, New, New Hampshire. New yeah, yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, well, that would be great. Even though we both love snow... Uh, sorry, Marcus. Even though we both love snow, um, I would have to say we definitely... Um, we'll pl- be planning it at a time of the year that it works functionally <laughs> as well as from the beauty standpoint. I, I have right. waited through snow waist deep in Denver and loved every minute of it, but I do know that when you're doing events, uh, you need to be in the south during the summer, uh, winter and in the north during the summer. <laughs> right. Plus, well, like if you have an event and it's in the wintertime and there's a snowstorm, you're not going to have that many people who actually physically attend. <laughs> no. Maybe we ought to aim for New England in the fall. Isn't that the, uh, the cliche of when to visit New England? <laughs> yeah, uh, well, yeah. We, we'll talk about it because you can, just like um, right now it's March, and it's warmed up, a lot of the snow is melt, but then it gets colder again, and we had snow again on and off today. Right. Yeah. I've seen snow in May. Uh-huh. It doesn't always last, yeah. but I, I've seen it. Yeah, well, the fall colors in New England are quite pretty, too, so, you know, maybe yeah. it'll be the fall, maybe it'll be the summer, but we'll get it all uh, all worked out, all worked out in oh, yeah. good order. Yeah. I mean, we'll be talking, um, you know, quite a few times. We'll probably do other shows between now and then anyways, I'm sure. Oh, oh yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we really thoroughly enjoyed the uh, visit with you tonight on the show, Marcus, and 
we really appreciate your kindness to have us on, and uh, we look forward to uh, getting you on ours when we get it back up and, and on the regular routine again, and uh, tell us more about your story on on our show, <laughs> which will be lovely. Sure. That sounds like fun. So I'll talk to both of you off the air soon, and uh, oh. love, love, and blessings to you. To you both. Okay. I love to you, too. Love and you both. To you as well, Martha. Thank you, Martha. Right. We've loved it. Thank really you. kind of you. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Good night.